at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Come on, you do better than that. They're offended at you now. Look at them and say, it's good to see you. Now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Crossroads Church. My name's Sam. Uh, I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator, or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus, and Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. Don't worry, we wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And I hear that at the Lompoc campus, it has actually been painted on the wall. Amen. And uh, the pastor Tyler was uh, tired of hearing that it wasn't on the wall. Uh, but now I don't know what I'm going to say in that moment anymore. I got to come up with some new lines, right? And so uh, we're stoked that you're here. What that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible, you can just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will get a Bible to you. And if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you take it, read it every single day, because every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. You can do a little better than that. Every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's read the Bible and meet with Jesus this morning. I want you to turn to 1 Peter. And if you're new to those scriptures, you can start in the right and turn left, and you'll find it much faster. Usually we are preaching through books of the Bible, and we've been in a series in Genesis for the past several weeks. And since uh, Genesis is going to take us about 27 years, uh, we're going to take some breaks from time to time. And uh, this morning I want to... Uh, preach a message from First uh, Peter. I feel like God has put on my heart uh, with uh, the timing and what we're experiencing together as a culture. Uh, I want to preach from First Peter this morning. So I want you to look at First Peter. If you're watching us uh, from uh, the Lompoc campus, if you're gathered together, you're watching online, uh, let, let me just say this to you. Uh, let me give you a quick uh, public service announcement. Use the online campus as supplemental to what you're doing because here's the reality if, if you were to ask somebody who's been following Jesus for some time, you'd say, hey, what, uh, what helped you become who you are today? What helped you become a person of faith? And, and, and what strengthened your faith? I can tell you, they won't tell you about one of my sermons. Uh, they'll tell you about someone. Uh, because uh, sermons uh, are helpful, but it's usually someone in our life that impacts us in a way that begins to shape us and mold us. And so we need more than just sermons. We need people around us helping shape us. See, the Bible says in, in Ephesians that God has given gifts to the church. Some of those are pastors. You're welcome. And uh, he says he's given gifts to the church to speak the truth in love that will grow ourselves up together in love, that the body would supply everything that it needs one with another. And so uh, you say, well, uh, well uh, I, I have all the people that I need. Well, somebody needs you. Amen. And so get here and be a part of the body of Christ in which Christ has placed you. Amen. Okay, that's the end of my public service announcement. And uh, hey, look at First Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. It says this, finally, all of you, look at somebody and say, that means you too. Finally, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 
Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this is what you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if it is it should be God's will than for doing evil for Christ also suffered once for sin the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I ask for your grace that you would help us, you would stir us, and that your scriptures would challenge us and exhort us and compel and constrain us to live more like you. Let everything we say and everything we do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, I mean, how many of you want to love life? Oh, get your hands up, right? How many of you want to love life, right? See, how many of you want to see good days, right? Then keep your mouth shut, amen, right? We're just, we're, we're done, right? Like, imagine the message that is being brought to us this morning. Imagine if that's all we took away. You want to love life? You want to see good days? Keep your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from deceit. Somebody say, oh, no. Look at somebody say, here we go, <laughs> right? I thought, man, man, this is a message that I think we ought to hear this morning because the reality is, is all of us want to love life, amen? We want to see good days. We, we, we want to enjoy our lives. And then the Bible says this, then keep your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from deceit. I, I, I think about uh, the cultural climate that we're in, because here, here's the reality. We, we have a lot of opinions. Let me, let me say it this way. Uh, you have a lot of opinions. Amen. I got I, I a lot of opinions. I, I actually use those opinions somewhat for a living. Uh, and, uh, and we have, uh, we have opinions. We have things that we think we, we have preconceived notions and ideas. And, and here's what I'm convinced of. Somehow what's happened is we think that if everyone else just heard our ideas, if everyone, if I could just sit down with everybody, right? If I could just sit down with them and they could just hear me and I could persuade them, then the world would be a better place if everyone just listened to me. How, how often do we allow the enemy to deceive us? Because the reality is, is that's, that's kind of 
what happens, right? We, we have all of these ideas. We have all of these thoughts on everything. And, and we're convinced uh, that if those people over here who do things different than I think they ought to do, if they would just listen to me, if I could get talk to them, if they could just read my tweets, and if they could read my Facebook posts, and if they could listen to my podcast, and, and if, if they just would get in line with the things I think, then the world would be a better place. Let's walk away from that for just a moment and let's talk about you, right? And let's talk about all your ideas and all the times you got your way and you did it your way and, and, and you had control of the things you control and how often your way didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. See, this is a trick of the enemy. And this isn't a new, new thing. This is ancient old trick. This has been the temptation since the beginning. Uh, did God really say? See, that was the, the serpent's temptation towards Adam and Eve when, uh, when God gave them everything. And he said, listen, I, I want you to, to depend on me for how you see the world, what you value, what you esteem, what's right, what's wrong, what's up, what's down. I, I, I want you to realize that my perspective is transcendent and elevated and you have a limited perception of the world. But my perspective and what I have for you is for your good, not for your harm. And then the temptation was, you know what? I'd like to do things my way. I'd like to decide on my own what's right and wrong. I would like to figure out on my own what to value. And this was essentially the idea with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did God really say that if you got your way, you would surely die? He doesn't mean that. What What he means is that you will be like him. This was the temptation of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And yet, it's a twist of the truth because the reality is, is they were already like God, made in his image, made with with value and esteemed above all other creation. The Bible says we were made a little lower than the angels, but seated in heavenly places, that he's placed his image on us, giving us intrinsic value that's not given by man, not given by government but given by God that makes us valuable. And yet we decided that our way is better than God's way. Now think about how often you go, well, that was Adam and Eve, but think about how often times your perspective leads you to argue with God. We go, yeah, 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 I know God, but just me anyways uh right yeah 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 i i know i know you say that about this and that but you don't understand 2022 right like how oftentimes we begin to debate even then although understanding that that god is omniscient he knows all things and he's omnipresent he's all places at all times how how many of you were were Bible babies and felt board kids. I mean, just own it. Just out yourself right now. We know who to stay away from at the coffee. Anyways, right? Uh, they're usually responding, how are you? Blessed, highly favored of God, right? And, and, and yeah, I, I was one of those. You're my, you're my people, right? But I remember that song we used to sing in nursery. We'd sing that song. He's got the whole world 
In his hands, he's got the whole world. That's not true of you until you put a cell phone in your hand, right? You're like, you don't know all things. You don't know all things. Amen. Amen. You know, some of you are like, well, I got Google, right? I, I I don't know it right now, right? But I could find out, you know. Right? And, and, and yet all of us now, the enemy has tricked us. We have these devices. We have this stuff in our hand. And we, and we got our, our cell phones in our hands. We're going, I got the whole world in my hand. What are they doing? Right? I got the whole world. They ought not, they shouldn't do. Can you believe this? What are they, what are they doing here? What are they, man, I tell you what, I need to, I, they should just, I ought to, you know what would be best? For everyone, if everyone just did things my way. And isn't it, isn't it a trick of the enemy? It's an age-old conversation, but still something we're dealing with now is we are convinced that we are able to take in all the information, be all places at all times, and somehow have perspectives, transcendent perspectives, elevated above our own individual scenarios. And somehow we have thoughts for everyone else. See, this is a trick of the enemy. See, this passage begins to tell us about how we want to live our lives. And after we want to love our lives and and we want to see good days, here's where he says, he says, you want to love life? You want to see good days? Keep your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from deceit. How many know that is a difficult thing to do? This side over here, honest people. <laughs> right? Like, like, I mean, that's a, diff- that's a difficult thing to do. Listen, I'm the pastor. I find it really difficult, man. I'm going to tell you, it's hard some- sometimes, especially when I don't agree with someone. You never, I, I know it's hard to imagine this, right? Uh, imagine disagreeing with someone, right? Imagine, if you ever had someone come up to you and say, listen, hey, bro, uh, something you said to me really bothered me, or I got some things I'd like to, to share with you about uh, how you really offended me or, or what you did wrong to me. Have you ever had that happen? Happens to me all the time. Right, right. Let me just say, let me let you in on what it's like to be the pastor. All right, like one big conflict. And I tell you what, when someone's like, "Hey, pastor, I'd like to meet with you and talk about all the things I have against you," and I was like, "I'm glad you brought it up. I've been keeping a file on you." Right? <laughs> like, I, I got. I, I'm I'm glad you sent this email because I got six years of stuff that I've been holding on to that I'd really like to talk to you. How do you do, how do we do that? Right? Someone has, some, you, you got something for me. Listen, I got a list for you, bro. You got one or two things. I got a ledger on you and I talk for a living, bro. Bring it, right? You're playing, you come in here and talk to me, right? I talk for a living. You're playing amateur ball. I'm about to eat you alive, right? It's my life, bro. I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm about to, I, I'm about to do some verbal judo on you. And, and, and that's, that's, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm in the same 
But, man, I, I, I put myself especially in positions of leadership, especially. Now, can you imagine what happens when I get in an argument with my wife? I know it's really hard to believe that the pastor argues with his wife, but it happened yesterday, all right? And, and yet, imagine what happens in your marriage when they go, hey, I got some things we should talk about, and you're like, yeah, well, I'm glad that we're going to meet together today because I've been keeping record like the IRS on you, right? And we keep these ledgers, don't we? Like, because relationships are transactional. We, we want to balance. And here's what we go. If, if you go, well, you offended me. You're like, well, I offended you because three lines back, notice here, you did this and that's why I did that to you. So I know you're hurt, but it's your fault. Right? Like how, how often do we do? We keep score and we want to balance the scales and we want to act like things are unconditional, but they're not. They're transactional. They're conditional. I do this for you. You do this for me. Uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, an eye for an eye, two for two. And then this starts with saying this, finally, brothers and sisters, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. See, that humility is where it starts, that humble mind acknowledging what I've brought to the ledger, realizing my debt and what I've accrued to the relationship, what, I, what I've put into the ethos of what's happening, realizing that my place and my score as well, not just keeping score for others, but understanding that I have accrued a debt in relationships, how much more to a God that I have relationship have I accrued debt? But then he says this, do not repay evil for evil. He goes, even if, even if the scales are tipped, even if the ledger doesn't balance and there's evil brought against you, do not repay evil for evil for this is what you have been called to. You wanna love life? You wanna see good days? Keep your mouth from speaking evil. See, Jesus says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's he, what's he mean by hearts? Figuratively, the deep parts of your soul and essentially what you think, your mindset, who you are, and your conscious reality. Because it all starts in the mind, Right? Because the reality is, is this mind dictates so many things that I focus on, things I give my attention to. Man, let's just be honest. Man, uh, right now we have a problem with, with no filter between here and here or here. And we're, we're just, mm, let, me, let me delete, 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 right? We just quit. Man, I don't know, some of you... Ha your thumbs are still working, right? Like this is the reality is that we have no filter. If it's here, we just simply say it. See, that's the pattern of this world. If it's here, just say it. Speak your truth. Don't matter if it offends anybody. Tell, tell them the truth. Speak it out. I'm going to have an argument. I'm going I'm to let everyone else know my opinions, my way, the way they ought to. And we let the sparks fly and land where they may. And yet James says this. James says, be careful with your tongue, although a small member can set the world ablaze. Now think about every war under the sun has been started not first with weapons, but with words. 
Every, every battle, every deal has, not, has started with ideas that are articulated into words and speeches and, and movements turning into people warring against one another. That's the pattern of this world. But see, Romans says this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is actually the very first message that we hear in the New Testament. How many of you remember the crazy cousin of Jesus? His name was John the Baptist. How many of you remember that guy? You know, everybody's got a crazy cousin, right? Right? Everybody's got a crazy cousin? If you don't have one, it's you. <laughs> right? And everyone knows the crazy cousin of Jesus who comes on and says, John the Baptist, and here was his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand right here the kingdom of heaven is here repent now i think that word's got lost in translation we, we picture someone standing in a, in a in a city and they're standing on a soapbox and they're saying repent turn or burn baby get it right or pay the price but the word repentance in the greek is this word metanoia which means to change the way you think so that you do something different what he's essentially saying is change the way you think or you're going to miss Jesus. Change the way you think, or you're going to miss the kingdom of God. Repentance is about not being conformed to the pattern or the way of the world, but realizing I'm going the wrong way. Sin means to miss the mark, to deviate from the path. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. He makes a doorway for us to have relationship with God. Repentance is realizing I'm going my own way, realizing I'm deviating from God's way. I think I have all the answers. I think I have all the solutions. And humbly submitting and saying, God, no, 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 I've tried my way. That went to nothing and nowhere and destruction. I'll turn and go the other way. That's what repentance is to change the way I think and do something different. Insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. See, it would be insane not to repent and trust God and see that his way is better than my way. That's good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Amen. See, repentance is changing the way you think because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak out of my mouth will flow rivers of living water out of the abundance of my heart man I will begin to speak so if I'm going to change if I'm going to love life and see good days then and I'm going to change the way I speak then I have to change the way I think I have to change the focus of what I'm thinking on because here's what's true. My thoughts will become my words. My words will become my actions. My actions will become my habits. My habits will become my character and my character will determine my future. Let's say this together because I think it's good. My thoughts will become my words. My words will become my actions. My actions will become my habits. My habits will become my character and my character will determine my future. This all starts. That's why John the Baptist says, repent 
or you'll miss the kingdom of God. If your future will be the kingdom of God, righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, you have to change the way you think and go a different direction so that the out of the overflow of this new life, this heart that God has regenerated and made new, that what flows out of is goodness, not evil. Because all of us want to love life and see good days. So change the way you think so you keep your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from speaking deceit. Seek peace and pursue it. Man, how could I ever be at peace with someone when I'm constantly, man, I realize my, my wife and I, when, when we're trying to win the argument, uh, how, how many of you love being right? Put your hand up. You know, get them, get them, get them up, right? You love being right, right? But are you righteous in your love? You love being right, but are you righteous with how you love? So we're, we're, man, some of us are so trying to win an argument, and yet we will throw all caution to the wind about the direction and path we're going, and are we really being loving? And what I find is, is when, when, when Sarah and I will put down our sword and go, you know what, I don't want to be in conflict with you. But I don't like this argument. I don't, want to, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to get out of this. Well, the first thing is to change your mind and go, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to fight with you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to seek peace and pursue it. And yet that's the antithesis of what our natural tendencies are. We don't want to seek peace. Seeking peace will mean that we'll have to give up something. Seeking peace will mean we'll have to pursue someone, someone that we disagree with, someone that we don't understand, someone that's far from us, some, someone that we're looking at and going, you know what? Those people, right? I wouldn't do it that way, right? I don't want to do that. I want to be around them. And yet, the Bible says this, this is how you'll know what love is. Not that you first loved God, but that he first loved you. And while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were opposed to God, when our opinions were different than God's, how often are your opinions different than God's? And yet he pursued, and yet he loved. And yet now, because of the cross, we have peace with God. God has sought us out, and we have peace with him, and yet we're called to be like Christ. See, that's where the term Christian comes from. Christians, Christian means baby Christ, little, Christ, little baby Jesuses walking around. Like that's what it means to be a Christian, right? You're like, oh, you kind of look like him. But how, many, how many Christians like, I'm a Christian. It's like, yeah, I don't know, right? You're saying you look like Jesus? Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? You know that term in the, in the Bible was only used a couple times? But Christian was a label that people gave to people. They were, they were like, you guys look like little Jesuses. Look like little Christ. Call you Christians. And yet the first followers of Jesus simply called themselves followers of the way. Like there was motion to it. There was action to it. 
And then they got accused of sounding like Jesus, talking like Jesus, looking like Jesus. How many Christians get accused of looking and sounding like Jesus? Yet we're meant to be ambassadors of Christ. We're meant to look. We're, we're meant to carry the aroma of Christ. When we walk in, it smells like Jesus in here. Smells like, smells like peace. S smells like hope. And what, what is that? What do I sense in the air? What, what's, what's conjuring up this memory that, I don't know, I don't know. There must be people who follow Jesus around. And how much does that happen in our churches today? How much do we need to recapture what it means to carry the cross of Jesus Christ and put on display the love that he has for us by showing our love one to another. They came to Jesus. They said, what's the greatest command? You think that'd be pretty important? Like, what's, all right, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do something, like so, some of you men in here, you brass tacks, right? Listen, all right, get, give me to the point. What do I got to do? Because, all right, love God, love people. This is love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And by doing so, you'll fulfill all of the law and all of the prophets. But here's, friend, you cannot love people like Jesus. See, Jesus loves people who are far from him. Jesus loves people who disagree with him. Jesus loves people who has dif differing opinions than him, just like you did and do, and he loves you and pursues you. And so if you are going to love like Jesus, you cannot love like Jesus and espouse evil towards them. No matter what side of the aisle they are, no, no matter what their political persuasion, even if you could back up yours with scripture, like I've been reading this Bible and I got some things to tell you, friend. Yet Jesus says things like this. Don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. Deal with the plank in yours. Deal with you first. Judgment starts with the house of the Lord, if you want to love life, you want to love life and see good days, keep your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from deceit, even if you disagree with them. Seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Evil starts with the thought that becomes the words the words become the actions. The actions become the habits. The habits are what you are known for, your character. What do we want to be known for? He goes on in verse 13. He says, now who, are, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is doing good? For what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be Bless. Let me read it again and shatter every single false narrative that's been put there by the, by the prosperity gospel. A gospel that says that if you follow Jesus, you will not suffer and everything will work out the way you hoped. This passage says, even if you are to suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, 
always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks for the reason, for the hope that is in you. What he says is then do good. Do do good even if it means you might suffer. How crazy is that to say? I mean, how, how counterintuitive is that for us in our ideology and what we, what we move towards? Psychologists would say that the, the chief end of man is to avoid suffering at all costs, and yet Jesus runs headlong like a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't even open his mouth. Nor were there any evil or deceit found in him, even those who persecute. Think about what Peter is saying here. Peter says, I want you to do good. And you may say, but he doesn't understand 2022. He doesn't understand the political climate. Let me tell you something else that Peter says that's crazy in this book. It's going to fascinate you. In chapter 2, Peter says this crazy thing. He says, honor Caesar. I'm just going to leave that there for a moment. Honor Caesar. Now, for those of you who don't know, Peter will die at the hands of Caesar. Christian tradition would tell us that he was crucified upside down at his request because he did not want to be crucified the same as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, he'll say, submit to the governing authorities. Wait, 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 wait. He says, what? He, wants, well, he, does, he doesn't understand what the government's like now. Let me just tell you that the Romans had a Colosseum dedicated to death. You know nothing about it. And yet he says, honor Caesar, love the brotherhood. He says, well, if people say, well, well, they're saying a bunch of bad things about us. He goes, okay, then do good. First Peter 2.15 says, it is the will of God that by doing good, you'll put to silence the mouths of ignorant talk. The King James says it even more forceful. He says, because we used to be a little more raw and real back in the day. Anyways, he says, by doing good is the will of God. By doing good, you will put to silence the mouths of fools. What can they say about you if all you ever do is good? He'll then go on to say, right in the middle of chaos, right in the middle of persecution, he's had friends die. Peter's been persecuted. He's been beaten and imprisoned by a miracle. He was led out of prison once by the church praying, but he would ultimately find himself in a place where he'll go to his death at the hands of a wicked government. And yet because of that, we're telling stories about him today. Because of his suffering, it resulted in the glory of God and our good. He would be blessed for to live as Christ, but to die as gain. And he begins to tell me these things. You go, well, I don't know if it will work. The question is, is your way better than God's way? When he says, hey, even if you suffer for doing good, do it. Do it no matter what the cost. Do it not for men, do it for God. Give him glory and he'll bring good and you, he'll wring every single bit of good out of your life. He'll use it. Every pain, every bit of suffering, every shortcoming for you doing what is good for it would be better because here's the reality, everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. 
It'd be better if you suffered for something good, not for your own boneheaded mistakes. Some of us have made a lot of them. But if you're going to suffer, you ought to do good. What he's essentially, then he goes on to say this. He says, he says, so then be ready to give a reason, a defense and a reason for the hope that you have. Essentially, he says, when the world is going to hell in a handbasket and there's chaos all around and you have hope, be ready to give a reason, a defense. And I remember Paul Kahn and my Christian university standing up in front of thousands of college students and preaching from this passage. I was at a liberal arts Christian university where everyone at the college, uh, the university had to minor in Bible, which I think is dumb. Who shouldn't minor in Bible? You, you get it, right? You should major in it, all right? Preacher joke, right? Right? It went over the same in the first service. <laughs> and, and yet, he, what he was saying was, listen, we, we got to... We got to study hard, friends. Freshmen, seniors getting ready to graduate, be ready because the Bible says to be ready to give a defense, an apologia. This is why everyone should study the Bible so you can be ready to give a defense. See, in the Greek, this idea of this reason or a defense comes from this word apologia in the Greek. It's where we get the field of study called apologetics. And so there are full uh, people who call themselves uh, apologists for Christianity, and you'll find debates on YouTube and people who stand up and are, give incredible defenses for Christianity. But yet what happens is we've kind of hijacked this verse and we've handed it to a few people, or we've put a burden too great on the people who are in our congregations. And we've said, you better be ready to defend Christianity against every atheist friend, every person you encounter. Anyone who comes up and says, you know what, I think we came from apes and we evolved by chance through natural processes and I think there's scientific evidence has completely disproven God and you're, you, you feel as though you got to be ready to give a defense. Maybe you as a young person, when you go to college, feel like I got to be ready to defend against every single professor who's anti-God. I got to be ready to give a defense for my faith and defend Christianity at all costs. Maybe you think that's the tactics now that we as a society need to make sure that we're putting forth Christian values and, and we're making sure everyone knows why Christianity is the best and we cro cross all the T's and dot all the I's. That's not what this passage is saying. This passage says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have when they ask. And they will ask if you actually have hope. They will ask. 
So be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have and do it with gentleness and respect. What do you mean, Pastor? What happens is Christians were always meant to realize the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have an opportunity to have heaven on earth right here, right now. Peace that doesn't make sense. Peace and hope that passes all understanding. When there's chaos all around. The Bible says he'll prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Could you imagine? The world is in chaos and Jesus says, you want a sandwich? Now that you mention it. See, sometimes the enemy is trying to convince us to get up and fight for every ideology, every political view, thinking that we should be on the front lines. And what he's asking us to do is simply feast with him because here's what will happen when the world is falling apart and chaos all around and we are in the presence of Jesus and we have hope and peace. They'll go, what's wrong with you people? When, when, when we have hope and the world is hopeless, I mean, think about this. When, when the world is in chaos and worry and anxiety, you're like, Pastor Sam, aren't you worried about nuclear war? No. We're having people over for dinner later. Pastor Sam, aren't you, aren't you worried about, about this and about that? Like, let me, let me, let me tell you. Dude, man, the, the Bible's coming true. I read it in the back of the book, man. Things, things are going to get worse. Yeah, but did you read that one part where there would be this group of people right in the center full of joy and peace and hope and people go, I want what they have. Give me that. The most infectious thing on the planet is hope spreads. God, I want, I, want, I want to be that. God, I want to set my foundation on you that, that I won't be like sitting on sinking sand and, and falling to the wayside, but on this solid rock, I build my house and I invite others in. So that's what they want. Why do you, why do you have hope? And then it says, be ready, friend. Why do you have hope? Be ready to tell them about Jesus. Be ready to tell them that he's in charge. Be ready to tell them that he's got the whole world in his hands. Be ready to tell them that he came to seek and save that which is lost. So in life or in death, because I'm just a sojourner. I don't know if you know this, I'm not from around here, all right? This place is not my home. I'm a stranger, a peculiar people. And when we begin to live that way, people will ask for the reason that we have. So friends, next week, next week, don't find yourself putting your hope in elections. Don't put your hope in men or in governments that all fail in comparison to the King of Kings the one where the government will rest on his shoulders. 
and his peace will cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. Do you have hope in Christ? You want to love life? You want to see good days? Change the way you think. God is in control and you're not, and that's good news because he can do a better job than the rest of us. Will you stand all over this place? We're going to end with singing, with setting our minds on things above, allowing this to propel us. Here's what I want you to encourage you to do all over this place with your hands lifted, your heart lifted to heaven, your mind focused, removing distractions, begin to ask Jesus to give you hope right in the midst of chaos. God, don't let anxiety fill us. Don't let the things of the world fill us, but let us be set on you, Christ, our firm foundation. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Come on, will you sing this with the team as we close?